1: Rahmat's in the runs in Chattogram and the legend of Boom Boom grows as India blow the Windies away. This is the Guerrilla Cricket Podcast. Welcome to the Gorilla Cricket Podcast. We come to you shortly after the close of day two of the fourth men's ashes test at Old Trafford. From the very seats where we bring you several hundred days of live cricket per year, totally free of charge. I'm your host, Knuckle M. Pandey, and I'm joined by a friend of the felines and an enemy of the razor. It's Chief Primate Nigel Hendo Henderson and Real Fred Janaway. Welcome, friends. Uh, We're both... both, have
2: problems with the razor. You, I wouldn't call you, myself an enemy
1: of the
3: razor, but yes. Yeah, but you, I don't think you've seen a razor for some time. I haven't. You know. No, I've seen one probably more
1: recently. A stranger to the razor. Yeah, okay. Yes, yeah, I'll take that. Yeah. Hello Thank listeners. You. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Yes, we are recording on the evening of Thursday the 5th of September 2019. Uh, We've got a packed show for you with uh, test matches going on all over the world. Uh, But before we go around the wide world of men's test cricket, a guerrilla news roundup. First, a social media sensation uh, becomes an international cricketer as Pavel Florin gets himself on the uh, the hallowed pages of Statgu in the Romania Cup with a fine debut effort uh, as uh, Romania took part in that competition in Central Europe, won by Austria. And I think, Real Fred, you've been doing a little bit of... uh, uh, keeping a close eye on that tournament. Our man, uh Florin took two, ball, two wickets and four balls
2: to beat Austria in the final of the... No, sorry, the semi-final of the, the uh, Romania Cup. Austria actually went on to win the tournament, beating the Czech Republic in the final. And wouldn't you know, it's golden arm Florin with that funny action. He bats at number 10 and was the sixth bowler. So he's one of those where really the team feels like it might be carrying him. But it's the presence of the man, isn't it? He's a personality now and he got the job done he wrapped up
1: the innings and there you go fine effort for a 40 year old uh, t20 does extend careers does he still have a broken leg is he still bowling with a broken well leg? he was bowling on a broken leg in the clips that went round the world in the european uh, cricket league but uh, you know a lot of people were making jokes and but it's a, it's an inspiring story in, a, in in many many ways it is and uh, it's amazing
2: this tournament there was uh, the, the european t20 was cancelled The the Euro T20
1: Slam, which was going to involve franchise teams uh, from Ireland, Scotland and the Netherlands, but it was cancelled basically because the guy who said he had the money didn't have the money. But yet there is this
2: tournament called the Romania Cup. Who who knew they were playing (laughs) so much cricket down in Romania, all in the same little part of uh, a suburb outside Bucharest. Austria, Luxembourg, Czech Republic, Romania and Turkey featured in this tournament.
3: That yeah. is incredible in itself. Yeah, Turkey didn't do too well, did they? They were rock bottom of the of the division. Um, and I saw they were bowled out, I think, was it by Luxembourg for it 28? Was. Yes. Uh, which isn't great, I suppose. But, I mean, you know, these are small steps for these these countries. And I suppose they should be encouraged. Uh, whether they, I, I always feel that, you know, when you look at how long the progress has taken for, for some of the smaller teams to come through to either associate or even eventually to full membership... Uh, you just realise it's a long path that uh, we've got to hurry this path up but how easy is that to do um, I know there's been a lot of talk about um, the Romanian and his bowling action I wonder is he good for cricket or is he bad for cricket in a way is his image bad for cricket when you look at that and see that clip and everyone looks at it if you don't know anything about cricket do you think oh bloody hell that looks like a terrible game I'm not going to play that uh, I'm, I'm being you know, maybe slightly controversial about this I don't know. Um, in a sense, I want to see what I see out there in the wider world to attract people to cricket. I want to see the really the best quality cricket I can. But
1: what what you see is, and it's it's kind of an example both for um, both for the diehards and for the for the neat fans. What it does show is that actually, if you put cricket on and make it and broadcast it properly, because the European Cricket League, as remember, we're going back a little bit now, was not just live-streamed around the world, but sold to a bunch of free-to-air TV channels, mm. and people watched it. People watched it in numbers. You know, if you build it, they will come, they said, uh, and, you know, if you broadcast it, people will watch, and that applies to so much cricket around the world. You know, the World Cricket League Division, oh, sorry, World Cup League Division 2 has been going on, which is the the level of one-day international cricket below uh, the, the, the sort of top 13, not televised. Uh, the... Uh, women's World T20 global qualifier which we'll come on to in a second not televised not even live streamed the America's the regional qualifiers for the men's World T20 not televised there's so much cricket which would benefit from more exposure from more viewers which would push that learning curve forward Uh, yeah I mean I think that's a
3: that's a a, a reasonable argument I I also though though I think there is for me for me if if I when I when I hear Romania playing cricket and I go onto a stream and I see Romania playing cricket I want them to see them hopefully playing at a good level. To uh, so certainly... Um, Give them time. It, it's well, just I know, but this is my point. My point is that these, cl- these countries don't necessarily have um, a lot of time because it does take them a long time to come through. There's I, a I, famous Gandhi quote, first they laugh at you, <laughs> uh,
2: then they ignore you, then you win. Powerful Florin in 10 years might be head of romanian cricket and they may have grown into an odi team they may have a better league the romania cup might take 10 years for the standard to go up you have to start somewhere and i think someone said small steps and let's be optimistic about it yeah
1: and you know let's not remember what he what he does to play cricket he travels 500 kilometers to practice cricket for completely the other side of the country he got into it because his son got into it um partly i think off youtube um at least which is one of the few ways that cricket has actually been spread around the world. And we hear stories about um, Darvish's spinner Hamidullah Khadri, who um, is, is an Afghan immigrant, basically learnt to bowl spin by watching clips on YouTube and to this day carries a clip of Nathan Lyon on his phone. Well, I think uh, that's, bowling, true of, bowling um, in India.
3: that's true of uh, Majib as well. It is also it? True, it yeah. is true
1: of Majib and a, a number of these sort of autodidact spinners. Um, you know, With all of this time and energy that boards spend going around taking clips down off social media, you know, what, why? This is completely counterproductive. Yeah, but there, uh, this is in, in a way, that's partly my point. If, if Majiv is, is looking
3: at um, YouTube cricket and he sees, I don't know, Wazim Akram bowling, he sees Ashwin Saklain bowling, Saklein Mushtak, and people like that, yes, he's going to be inspired and want to, to copy that. If he sees um, uh, the Romanian um, bowling,
1: as we've seen on social media, is he actually going to be inspired to, what, to I, want I, what to it, be a what cricketer? It, what it says is that to be a cricketer, you need the passion, the drive, that, to start. For the recreational game, I think it's huge around the world. Absolutely. And
3: I think, what is the other phrase? Any publicity
1: is good publicity. Yeah, and I suppose, if you, I mean, in
3: fact, if you improve the recreational game and get more people playing recreationally, then that feeds into into all those teams. And absolutely. it's ironic,
2: isn't it? How, why do we know about Pavel Flooring? It's because of that dodgy bowling action and those moon balls. Sometimes it's something like that that grabs the attention... And there he was at Lords, meeting Shane Warner, meeting everybody. It's yeah, small steps, I, I, and I, I think we've got to be optimistic about it. In the same way as we've got to be optimistic that there was a, a women's T Twenty qualifier being played between Papua New
1: Guinea and Thailand in our Arbroath. Yes. Yes, and uh, Bangladesh beating Ireland in Dundee. The uh, uh, on on the very same day, Bangladesh and Thailand winning the semi-finals, the women's World T Twenty Global qualifier, uh, going through Bangladesh beating Ireland, who. Had who ended up with a much tougher draw than they might have expected because Thailand beat them in the group stages. Thailand have beaten a number of full members uh, in recent times. They've beaten Iowa now three times in a row. So Bangladesh and Thailand will be playing in Australia in the Women's World T20, which takes place in spring uh, 2020. And that shows what can be done, uh, making very short strides in quite... Uh, sorry, massive strides in a very short period of time. It does... What it, it takes investment and it takes good coaching to, uh, to, lock, to sort of unlock the talent that, you know, how many great cricketers are there around the world? that we just don't know about who've never had the opportunity to take their skills to another level. But that's also
3: true of of, of the um, um, full members as well. I mean, those people in this country that don't get the chance to play cricket, and and, and so the whole the whole spread is, is is very important, and people being given the opportunity.
1: And it's true in you know major cricketing nations, at, particularly at the women's level. You know, look at you know Pakistan going back to the mid nineties; those two the two sisters who had to fight serious government. Mm-hmm. Um, government harassment and death threats just to get cricket started in Pakistan, yeah. a major cricketing nation. Bangladesh is now a major cricketing nation, and the women's team has only come on in the last year or so. Um, and, you know, Ireland are uh, still not properly, fully contracted. They've only, In fact, sorry, they've only just uh, announced this in this calendar year their first run of uh, women's contracts.
2: I think, Hendo, you could make the, make the same argument. If you look at the, the scores in these two semifinals that were played earlier today, mm-hmm. they were pretty low scores, yeah. chasing down 60-odd in one game, 50-odd in the other, I think. Right. I didn't quite check the score. <laughs> yes, for the uh, second one. You can make the same argument about the standard, but that's not the important thing. If you take this and the Romania Cup as a whole, cricket being played in Bucharest and in Arbroath and Thailand have qualified for a major
1: tournament. This is all positive stuff for cricket. I'm an optimist about it. Yeah, and look, the pitches were not great. They were slow and they didn't aid particularly quick run scoring as actually kind of was the case in the last women's world t20 in the west indies where uh, really it was only australia and new zealand who were able to score at any kind of decent rate uh, throughout that whole tournament. even the west indies with players at the class of stefani taylor and uh, and deandra Dotton were were really struggling on on slow low pitches you know if you improve the standard of of, of pitches the cricket gets better oh yeah absolutely i i, t- I totally understand that um, and, you know, these players probably aren't being given the best opportunity to showcase their skills.
3: I, I, do, I do wonder, though, I mean, in, in, this, in a day and age where, in a way, glamour is everything, um, that if, if you've got a number of sports in a country competing for individuals, um, if, if you turn on and you see Florin Bowling, uh, rather poor uh, right arm nonsense with a broken leg, are you going to be attracted to that sport? Whereas perhaps if you turn on some basketball and you see some fantastic athletes, um, you know, going through hoops, as it were, are you going to be more attracted to that? That's my only worry about it, I would say. as, as I think it's probably, you know, six of one and half a dozen of the other in a way. But some, uh, some
1: things work and some things don't. But then if you're Thai, Thailand don't have a great global sporting reputation. Now they've qualified for a major tournament. Yep. They, they're going to be playing in a World Cup. That can only be good for the image of the sport and for sport in general in Thailand, particularly among Thai girls. Yeah, but I suppose also the, other, the other thing is, is, is
3: how much the media in those countries is going to give in terms of publicity to that, how much they're going to follow that. I mean, we even had that situation, didn't we, last year when we covered the Ireland game, where, you know, the coverage, we were quite surprised, wasn't that high, was it? And certainly in, in the written press. Um, and, and so that's the difficulty with a team playing its first test match. And, and not and struggling to get coverage for that, I think that a lot of these countries are going to struggle, but to get then coverage. you look
1: at when they played the test against England that the coverage was at another level well yeah so I mean, that 's a year later and yes it 's against England yes it 's at Lords and you get all the the historical precedents there um, but you know that is the kind of progress that can be made obviously Ireland starting at a much higher level um, but you know with two different cases we 've got uh, a cricket a country where cricket is a massive thing. Um, where the women have taken uh, huge strides in the last few years, and uh, a country that is very much an emerging cricketing nation um, making a major tournament. Um, Rattling through the last couple of news items, uh, the Men's World T20 America's qualifier, this was a couple of weeks ago now, but Bermuda, uh, powered by, uh, among others, Delroy Rawlins of Sussex and Canada, uh, qualifying uh, for the global qualifier of the Men's World T20, which takes place later this year. The USA, an ODI full member, let's not uh, forget, Uh, missing out. And uh, in the Africa qualifier, Nigeria uh, making the global qualifier, uh, taking the place of the suspended Zimbabwe. Nigeria also making the under-19 boys World Cup, uh, which takes place early next year in South Africa. Well, and we've
2: just been talking about T20 and how that's the format of the game, really spreading cricket around the world to places like Arbroath and Romania and Thailand. But in this qualifier, Canada, Bermuda, they've been there and done it before. They've been in World Cups. Exactly. So it, it's good that it can still dig teams out of trouble because Bermuda. I'm sure, Hendo, you'll have more to say
3: on Bermuda well, I'm, I'm, you know, but I'm absolutely delighted for Bermuda because um, I think, I mean, although it is that the major sport in the summer in in Bermuda, um, it, it's it's been struggling. They, the, when they got into the World Cup in 2007, I think that again, it was a bit like when Ireland came into Test cricket that some of their best players were right at the end of their careers or had even finished. Um, and and there perhaps wasn't the lure of, of, of the younger players uh, for the game there, but for them to come through and win and, and get through to the, you know, a pretty big tournament really, the, the qualifiers in the UAE. I think it's a massive boost for them, and 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 that will
1: be something that's followed with great interest uh, on and, and the. And there island. are some young players in that. Timmy Delray Rawlings is very young. Kamal Leverock, uh, br- uh, nephew of the famous Dwayne, um, who uh, um, who who is a, quite a young player. So they're coming at it in a different from a different point of view, are similar with canada you know when they their probably finest hour was when john davidson hit that incredible mm. 100 against the west indies yeah you know uh, a player who created most of his cricket in australia and is now coaching in australia again sort of towards the tail end of his career but there's a number of players who've played their cricket in canada and i'm sure the global t20 in canada which has given more opportunities uh, to canadian players to play with some of the best players in the world has helped the best example
2: for, uh, in in all of this is afghanistan I remember watching that documentary where they were tours, touring Argentina and uh, Uganda, was it? And they played that tournament in Jersey, in the Channel Islands, at that retirement home. They're now a test nation, so small steps
3: has to be the watchword here. But all you could, of mean, these teams could go on to bigger, better things. You can argue, in a sense, I mean, I think it's great news because, you know, having spent some, you know, some working time there, um, to see Bermuda come back after well, I said, "Go, eleven years, isn't it?" After since they appeared in the World Cup, twelve years, twelve years, and um, you know, it's great as far as I'm concerned because my my feeling, and you know, I don't keep an incredibly uh, strict eye on what's going on over there in terms of, uh, of the sport, but certainly, you know, I thought their best days, cricket-wise, were over, and yet this, you know, this might just stir a few, you know, people and encourage a few people. On the other hand, you might say. The USA have been knocked out of a tournament. If we, if we <laughs> want to grow the game into an enormous nation, is is that a problem that they've missed out? Well, I
1: mean, the USA have had their own problems. They, uh, the The board was banned for a number of years, and they've only recently managed to get their administration in order. Look, the USA, I think, are a growing force in uh, in international cricket. And perhaps this came a year or so too early, but certainly one's... Uh, to watch. The final news item before we get on to uh, the uh, men's test cricket that we're going to be talking about in depth. Uh, Pakistan, misbah ul haq a great favourite of this show, a man who we made a t-shirt for. We love him uh, <laughs> we so do. much. Uh, to my mind, the greatest captain of the modern era for anyone and one of the greatest of all time. What he did with Pakistan, taking them out of the doldrums of no ball gate and not being able to play at home and uh, the loss of players like Saeed Ajmal and so many other uh, players and Abdul Rahman. Uh, appointed head coach in all formats and chairman of selectors. Now, Hendo, you're actually quite a fan of this combined role.
3: Well, yeah. I mean, it's maybe something. If I sit down and think about um, in in more depth, I, I may see that there are problems with it. But I, I mean, I think that Musbrä is, is is a very clever, analytical guy. I still remember that that quote that you know you don't don't see mistakes emotionally. See mistakes intellectually, and and I think he's a man who's capable of learning. From things, I mean, whether he's going to have the time and the wherewithal to get around to see a lot of the players this that he needs to see, that could be a problem. This I is suppose. my worry. Mm. He's head
1: coach in all formats, which is mm. difficult, and Pakistan don't play at home, yeah. So he's always on the road. Presumably, he'll have a panel reporting to him. We don't know the makeup of that panel as yet. Right. But how is he going to be able to watch, except on video clips and so forth? Even as someone who is as much of a cricket nerd mm. as is, you know, mm. there are stories of him broadcasting, doing commentary stints, and then, you know always talking about cricket throughout the entire commentary and afterwards and before. You know, a little bit like Steve Smith who we'll come on to talk about in more detail. You know, a guy with an incredible passion for cricket and an incredible, you know, ability to lead people. Um, I well, think, but I just think it's a lot for any one person to take on. It is, but if anyone can do it, it's misbar. <laughs> uh, what a
2: leader. I echo everything you said, Nackel, about him, particularly in difficult times uh, for Pakistan cricket, not being able to play at home and the no ball gate and everything like that. And he led them brilliantly. And there's a bit of nominative determinism here with his name, meaning light or lantern. Mm. Follow the light. That's what they did. And he dragged them through that period. Got them to number one in the world, I think, with that draw series. There we go. And there he was. We didn't think that he could play anymore at the age of 14. He was there doing press ups at Lord's, showing us how yeah. fit he was. Uh, and he,
1: he, and, via, and on the way, scoring the. uh, what what was then the joint fastest men's test uh, 100 of all time. You know, a great player, doesn't make a great coach, doesn't make a great selector, we all know that. But uh, we wish him well, it's a lot, but as you say, if anyone can, Misbah can. And he really is a born leader,
2: and leadership is so, natural leadership is so rare sometimes. So I wish him all the luck,
1: and I think he'll succeed. Uh, Well, uh, he's got the endorsement of Fred Janoway, the last man (laughs) uh, whose name ended Khan Niazi from Mianwali. Uh, is now Prime Minister of, uh, of, <laughs> of uh, Pakistan so some presidents there we'll take a short break to tell you about how you can support the show and then move on uh, to the, uh, the men's test cricket that we have uh, for you around the world yep you owe us alright
3: you think this alternative cricket commentary stuff comes cheap well we need
2: some dollar bills to help pay our bills so please Go to patreon.com slash guerrilla cricket and sign up to make a regular monthly donation you know there is literally nothing like guerrilla cricket's coverage so don't be tight dip into your virtual pocket and throw some cash our way see Rihanna knows patreon.com slash guerrilla cricket
1: let's start at Old Trafford where uh, uh, we've seen yet another masterclass from Stephen Peter Devereaux Smith his 26th Test 100 Taking him level With Cigarfield Sobers In 41 Fewer innings His third Test double 100 uh, All against England Two in uh, England uh, Ably supported Yesterday by Manus Lavashane And today By Tim Payne And also some uh, Fun at the end From uh, Mitchell Stark uh, England uh, uh, s- um, Lost the one Wicket of Joe Denley uh, Late in the day, uh, they are twenty-three for uh, one, uh, still trailing by a massive four hundred and eighty-seven. Uh, for I mean, for for England, just briefly, uh, Stuart Broad was uh, again superb. A little bit of concern about Jofra Archer. I think it's been a little bit overplayed.
3: I think it's almost inevitable that it will because he's done so well um, in both the World Cup and since he's come into the Ashes. Um, but I think this is the trouble you set a level of expectation don't you if you do uh, particularly well early on and everyone expects you to turn up every day and be um, on top of your game be at the you know um, the man who's going to put the opposition under pressure and, and, and just some days it may not be even a cricket thing there may just be something bothering him I mean, it is you know conceivable that he's he's, he's maybe picked up some sort of uh, injury. Well, that's
2: was, what I'm worried about. That's, um, that side yeah, strain. I don't know if it's possible to have half a side strain, or it be
1: bothering you a little bit. You either got one or you don't. Well, I think I think he's well, he's done some remarkable things after coming back from that side strain, of course. And you know, he was still bowling in the high 80s miles an hour, almost 90 miles an hour at the time. He was bowling on a much less helpful pitch for yes. for bowlers than he was either Lord's or Headingley, and for a lot of it, bowling to a man. Um, sp- Literally seeing it like a beach ball in terms of uh, in terms of uh, one of the comedy moments of of yesterday. Um, I think it might be his first wicketless innings in his international in his brief international career. Um, look, he wasn't uh, the greatest bowler of all time after one superb innings, and he's not a busted flush now. No, um, his time will come again, uh, but. Obviously not ideal for England that he uh, didn't have a very good day and that no one could really support Stuart Broad uh, other than possibly Jack Leach. Yeah, and of course, you know, Jack
3: Leach getting, getting rid of Smith at 118, but just uh, marginally overstepping the line. I mean, that was that really was the moment that brought England crashing down in a way, wasn't it? I think despite the fact that Root tried to get everyone round and say, look, we've really got to concentrate here, he wasn't able to really. That It felt like something had been missed uh, when that happened. It was almost as if, well... You know, this guy's got so many runs, and now we've finally got him out. Oh, no, we haven't. Yeah. Test cricket it, <laughs> Test cricket you know. is so often about making psychological blows where you yes. can.
2: And two moments in the series, Archer to Smith and then Leach to Smith. When that ball struck Smith and took him out of the match and got onto concussion again a little bit later, I'm sure, mm-hmm. that was a massive moment in this series. And it felt like England had suddenly blown it open and they were going to take the advantage. That ball from Leach today, that's where the shoulders dropped. And I think the Aussies are going
1: to press home the advantage now. It could easily be the moment that breaks a team. A little bit like um, Ashley Giles' drop of Ricky Ponting at Mm, Adelaide. Absolutely. Which is a moment that, in retrospect, seems to be at the moment that kind of broke England in that that test match. Obviously, ridiculous things happened on the last day at Adelaide. And and then Gilchrist flayed Monty at Perth and all that uh, later in the series as well. So it's not quite... Not quite that simple. I think you can look relatively comfortable, actually, in the in the closing stages mm. uh, uh, of day two. The pitch is a bit friendlier than uh, than Old Trafford. You can trust the bounce. Uh, sorry, than uh, Heading or Lords or Edgebuston. You can trust the bounce, which is not always hasn't always been the case through this series. The ball is moving off the seam. It's yeah. not doing that much through the air. So Sometimes late seam movement can be more difficult to well play. Th- yeah, but there's very little there's
3: very little swing that we've seen today. Um, you know the conditions can change and, and England could be out there tomorrow under cloudy skies with the lights on and it, and it could be it could be a disaster I for them f- I feel sorry for Denny that first ball Hazelwood bowled to him like you said Knackle late seam
2: movement went right back into him and it was in his head for the rest of that innings and, of course, he's out for four. He's
1: prodding around outside off stump because he, he feels he has to play it every ball. Yeah, and, and, when, and, and when you're prodding, you get those slightly weird unlucky dismissals like you've got you know, inside edge onto his body, hits Matthew Wade, and he does well to, to cling on at the second attempt. But I mean, there are no demons in this pitch. There is rain around. I think England can save this Test match. I think they can. Um, <laughs> I
3: think a lot depends on, on what happens conditions-wise tomorrow. And if, if we get the rain in the morning that, that, that is forecast at about 50%, um, it could be a struggle if England, have, as, I, as I just said, had to come out and bat under the lights. There's two words we haven't heard a lot recently in Test cricket. Scoreboard pressure.
2: When, you, when you've racked up 500, the other team are going to feel that at some point in their innings. Well, they
3: are, but at the same time, you, you, you couldn't really have had much more scoreboard pressure than they had at Headingley in the second innings, well, really. That's true, but I think um,
2: by then there was no hope, and it was, let's just go for it. You know? But Ben Stokes could easily play another heroic innings. And uh, digging them out again, and it could
3: rain. But so I haven't given up all hope. Yeah, after today, there's a temptation to say that that one one man can't pull you out of a uh, difficulty um, over and over again. But actually, we're seeing that Steve Smith is doing exactly that. Well, and, l- and Labuschagne, in fact, um, you know, four four innings he's had. He's scored fifty every time. He has. We've watched Smith all day today, and he's just so
2: hyper vigilant, hyper aware of everything. That hand-eye coordination is perfect
1: every time. He's playing a different game to everyone else out there. And yeah. the stats back that up. He scored, uh, a hun- he scored a double hundred at almost four runs and over, at, uh, something like a 92% <coughs> control percentage. Uh, I saw a stat that he would need to get 22 consecutive ducks to bring his test average down to that of Virat Kohli. He is heads and shoulders the best test batsman in the world. One of... We can't say, you know, the best since Bradman yet. It's too... You, know, you can't say that till the end of his career, I don't think.
2: But When is it the end of his career? But just out of interest, I want to know. Well, who knows?
1: <laughs> uh, but he is one of the greats of the modern era, and he's in the form of his life. Um, it, it is going to be difficult for uh, for England. It'll be a different game. You know, Let's see the second innings here, if it gets to a second innings here, first innings at the Oval. Let's see how Australia respond, if Smith does... Uh, get out early Uh, but uh, moving on from the second test because there isn't really a lot fourth test rather there isn't really a lot more we can say about it uh, at the end of day two Uh, you just talked about it uh, a little bit there Uh, not Fred yeah the second instance of the concussion substitute uh, not Fred real Fred real (laughs) not Fred Uh, uh, the second instance of the concussion substitute uh, being used in men's test cricket with Darren Bravo being hit by Jaspreet the Boomer late on day three I think it was Uh, and then uh, the next day uh, having concussion symptoms sort of delayed on set and then uh, going off the field to be replaced by Jermaine Blackwood, who played quite a sprightly innings, actually, in the, uh, in the second innings as the West Indies made a marginally better fist of things than they did I in thought, the uh, first innings. I
2: thought Jermaine Blackwood played very well. Uh, just got a bit of a problem, though, which is why were West Indies batting with 12 guys? Now, I know Mashal isn't here and someone's got to play devil advocate, but it's going to be me on this. Uh, it seems like whenever I'm on this podcast someone's getting clonked so here we are talking about concussion again I wasn't quite aware that it was going to work quite like this when Smith got hit at Lords Lavashain replaced him in the next innings and it seemed just about fair it seemed like the the law was going to work but
1: that's because Smith came back and got out
2: that's right Uh, so yes India were only having to get 10 wickets which is of course the normal game but it just made me feel a little bit uneasy, a little bit queasy, looking at that
3: batting card and seeing 12 names on it. It just made me think, hang on. But I mean. is that just unfamiliarity? And how else is it going to
1: work if someone gets hit mid-innings?
3: Well, I mean, I, I, I was thinking about this, and I, I know that Real Fred uh, wanted to have a little bit of a... a, a it's not much of a rant about this, but a suggestion that, that, that there was something amiss about this. Um, I'm wondering whether we look at a situation now where um, a team, in selecting its side for a match names two substitutes and uh, so you have to name them before so you name starts it, so yes you name two substitutes a bowler and a batsman and so you don't have this situation of having to say like for like you just simply say batsman or bowler um if he is uh, concussed you come in and replace him as a bowler i mean in the sense that um you know hazelwood for example might be replaced by a bowler like Pattinson. Pattinson for example although Pattinson's a much better batsman. this uh, is the problem well no but that's always going to be the problem isn't it yeah. I mean but I, I just feel that you um, can't get a total like for like
2: what would be the point of having only two subs then Hendo Where, how would that make things better at the moment
3: well I think what, what I'm saying is that you don't necessarily have to go searching for someone you think is a, an, an exact replica of the person that has been um, concussed, you're look, you, you just name two substitutes in the same way as you might I mean, if you look, if you want to look at other sports this is what was really um, guiding my thinking um, now you have so many substitutes in football, don't you? You have so many replacements in rugby, um, but you don't, you're not actually saying necessarily that you're going to be able to bring on a midfielder for a central midfielder, um, you know you bring on who's available and who you've named The like for like bit isn't what bothers me about this though,
2: I think that's always going to be a bit of a grey area and They've almost admitted that it's not going to be perfect,
1: and that match referee will have to do their best. And, and often, actually, for more so for home teams rather than touring teams, because touring teams you've got a squad of fifteen or seventeen or whatever. You know, Jermaine Blackwood. It was it was him because they were in Jamaica. He'd been the sub field of the day before, and he was there. Absolutely. So you, you, maybe you do that. You, you kind of it's not quite the same as football or rugby. You actually name substitutes ahead of time, um, and. You know, they're proper substitutes who can come in at any point as a for a tactical reason, not just for an injury. But just to be clear, I didn't have a problem with Jermaine Blackwood going
2: out to bat and who it was. It was the fact that there were 12 on mm. that card. Mm. And Andy Roberts came out after that incident and he said, hang on a minute. Are the bowlers lo- losing an advantage? He would say that, of course, because ah. Andy Roberts. But he implied that it's still the batsman's responsibility to go and learn how to play the short ball. And I think he's, he might be right. Bravo took his eyes off that ball and got hit and of course the most important thing that he's, is he, that he's alright and the law maybe is the reason that he is so it is working but if he gets hit if they've bowled at him for an hour to try and unsettle him or unbalance him on the crease suddenly he gets clonked and there's a new guy there and I don't think that's quite fair and I think there's a loophole because it could, could happen twice three times, four times You can end up with 15 or 16 guys on the card
1: but each and at that, that point <laughs> cricket's become a farce but each one having to start afresh yeah, but it's the most farce. vulnerable time in a the most vulnerable time in a player's innings is when they're new to the crease. I would argue, actually, that in that situation, the pitch is probably dangerous, which is probably what's made cricket a farce. Well, do you? I mean, in that situation, do you? If, if he has to be replaced, do you then scratch his runs?
2: No, I no, think that's can't even do worse. That. I think that then, then would be more of no, a... No, because pass.
1: that would incentivize people to pull... F-
2: Absolutely. Well, yeah, I suppose <laughs> there's that.
1: The, the point is, is
2: it all one step towards the people that say, let's get rid of the bouncer because it's too dangerous? And we can't have that.
3: Oh, I don't think No, it I think, no, it, I might, think so.
1: it might be that... You know, it's weird in cricket because it's never been done before, you know, having substitutes like you do in rugby and cricket for tactical reasons. Personally, I don't think it's going that way. I think it's just a this is going to be just a quirk that we're going to have to get used to when someone gets injured mid-innings. And, you know, it could. it's unlikely to happen with a bowler, but, you know, we've seen bowlers hit on the head. Absolutely, we've seen yeah. it Luke Fletcher from Nottinghamshire a couple of years ago getting mm-hmm. hit on the head.
3: Anil uh, Cumbly is another example. Anil Cumbly, but yeah.
1: had, you know, had, well, he bowled with a broken jaw and we laud his heroism. It, you know, he was hit on the jaw rather than mm. hit on the head, per, like on the skull. Mm. But, you know, you were saying, I think, um, Real Fred, a couple of, not that long ago, that actually... It's probably kind of stupid for players to play on in those situations rather than brave. Oh,
2: absolutely, and it's the first twenty-four hours after you get hit that are the critical ones in terms
1: of concussion. See, so this is where I wanted to come into it. You know, his concussion symptoms maybe didn't become apparent until later the next day, but I would argue maybe if I don't know quite how you bake this into the into the laws, but do you have a situation where if there is, you know, if they don't, if they only pass the concussion regulate. Uh, Bar by a certain amount, given that the given the high prevalence and the high seriousness of of secondary uh, concussions do you just take them out of the game do you build that into the regulations and again we come back to this point of independent doctors is an independent doctor better able to make that call than someone who's employed by the team
2: it's difficult the, the law is there to protect players from, from getting hit again and putting them in the line of fire but both Smith and Bravo went back to the crease and batted on ok Bravo was only for 10 balls and then he realised it, it was the next day, busy, and it was the next day but Smith it went back in after he was hit as well. Yeah, I said, and I said, so I said, the law hasn't stopped those two things happening. No,
3: it's right. It yeah, hasn't I, uh, protected the well, players well, yeah.
2: from
1: getting hit within 24 well, hours. I, is it the is it the regulation? Is it the application of the regulation? It's hard to tell. I think you've got to have independent doctors
3: and, and you know, uh, everyone can say, well, do you we need a doctor hanging around for five days? Well, yes, you do. And, and let's face it, the ICC has got enough money to chuck well, around. Well, this is
1: the other point. Actually, you know, the West Indies don't have a lot of money. Sri Lanka don't have a lot of money. Other teams don't have a lot of money. You know, I, uh, Afghanistan and Bangladesh were playing in a test match in Chathokram. Don't have that much money, although they have some. The ICC have got a lot more money to fund doctors, to have a doctor at every game where the concussion regulations are in place to make sure partly that everyone gets good treatment and partly to make sure that what the the even semblance of the even possibility of there being pressure put on a team employee to keep another team employee you know we again we come back to jose Mourinho and eva carnero the doctor a couple a few years ago at chelsea um i'm not saying i think the doctor in the i think richard saw the doctor in the australian team did a very good job i think with steve smith uh by and large and i think the west indies uh medical staff did a the right thing with Darren Bravo too but it's not difficult to foresee a situation where someone could have not at pressure at i on think them. it's
3: an absolute no brainer I, I think the icc should just sit down at the next meeting and say yes we're going to fund these um, we're going to fund these doctors the at last, every test match and every one day international incident with
2: steve smith i looked at it and thought is it working yes no not really he still went out there he wasn't 100% protected from being hit again this incident with bravo made me ask is it fair Let's go back to Edgebest and what happened to Jimmy Anderson after four overs? His calf blows out and he's lost for the whole game. Mm. He doesn't get a sub. Mm. If someone breaks their arm batting, which could easily have happened to Steve Smith at Lords as well, he got hit right in the arm. If he breaks his arm, he's out of the game. No well, he probably, probably comes
1: back out again with his arm in plaster and is lauded well, for doesn't his heroism. Doesn't well, he could Marshall. be, but
3: I mean that's absolutely right, isn't it? I mean, you know, people will turn around and say, well, it, it's Jimmy's Anderson's fault for, for declaring himself fit, or it's whoever um, investigated his uh, injury situation. Um, but but cricket has always relied on that, and and then you go down to you know are you setting an enormously uh, broad um, uh, precedent by saying well actually we're going to have injury substitutes because at then at what point do people fake injury? Absolutely, I think the laws are pretty good as they are. Actually, mm. with my umpire's
2: hat on here, I think sometimes you, you, you it, just have to say it's bad luck. Exactly, it was bad luck for England that Jimmy's calf blew mm. out after four overs in the first mm. day of the series. Mm looking at Darren Bravo again if we say he took his eyes off the ball that isn't bad luck okay that is me forcing it a little bit for this argument because you know just the good thing is that he's okay but if it was his fault he got hit because he can't play the bouncer he gets another guy Jermaine Blackwood a batsman comes out and knocks
1: I, a brilliant 30 I, I don't see another way round it in I if someone there, gets hit mid innings and someone replaces them fine I right, think that's. there
2: is a way round it which is it works how it did at lords but not how it did at sabina park ie you can have a guy in the next innings it gives you time to assess them time to call the sub in and replace them but this them. was it, the fourth innings of the game well there's always going to be someone that, that loses out because it's the fourth innings and it would be mm. the same with a bowler wouldn't it so they, they have you have to draw a line somewhere and I just think I want 11 guys on the bloody score sheet there was something about it that made me feel a little off
1: my, my personal thing is that just you know there's a lot in the, uh, that can be explained in cricket by that's the way it's always been and I think this yeah. might be another one uh, but you know, the guy who hit him, just breathed the Boomer, he did so many other things in that series. Uh, his total series figures were 13 wickets in two tests at 9.23. At one point, he had a run uh, across test innings of 14.2 over five maidens, 11 for 19.
2: This guy's the best bowler in the world. There. Discussion over. Yeah, no, I not really. I said it. Um, <laughs> Pat Cummins is ranked number one in the world, uh, and he's a supreme bowler. But Boomer is streets ahead of him. If you look at what's actually happening on the pitch the computer hasn't realized it yet and that's partly because he hasn't hit 100 wickets left yet so uh, that's how the ICC computer works out the rankings with bowlers he's taken five in South Africa West Indies Australia and England and he's only played 12 matches
1: this guy is the real deal well the so there's two different arguments here kind of the best test fast bowler in the world because the other contenders I think would be Jimmy Anderson Pat Cummins Kahisa Rabada and then all format again, Cummins and Rabada, and you know Boomer as a suit is a magnificent white ball bowler. I think you have probably also got to throw Mitchell Stark in there. His Test record isn't as good as those other four, but his ODI record is is superb. I mean, this is a tough this is a tough argument that's that would be made. I guess Stuart Broad probably in Test cricket as well. Looking at his you know his record, it's ridiculous for a guy with four hundred and thirty odd test wickets to be underrated. But he is. Boomer yeah, is averaging nineteen point two four.
3: Yeah, I mean I don't. Do you know, I actually, f- I may be rare in this, but I actually find um, arguments about who is the actual best slightly irritating. Oh, I, come I, on, he's I, brilliant. I, no, well, I'm not saying that he's not the best. I'm not saying he's not the best. I just find the arguments about trying to decipher those Infinitesimal things that, that make the difference between someone who's absolutely brilliant and someone who's nearly brilliant. I'm going to carry on regardless. I find that, I find that well you may <laughs> do, but I'm just going to bring an arg- you know a, a sense into this that we should just look at these bowlers and ar- admit that they are absolutely brilliant bowlers and, and exceptional enjoy them. All. Bowlers and enjoy them for I what actually, they are. I actually agree with you,
1: um, uh, and partly this is a, this is a good peg to talk about all of them, and it's a little bit like I I remember I thought this during you know the, the constant debate that you used to have in the mid 2000s, early 2000s. Tendulkar or Lara, who's the best in the world? That's only worth it if you're on TV and can just show montages of Tendulkar and Lara batting and go, wow. I think it's very
3: difficult because, you know, every test every match is played in a slightly different uh, condition, um, you know, against uh, different strengths. And it's very difficult to, to make judgments um, purely by averages and, and by, by looking at those things, it's I think. taken 62 wickets. In twelve matches, that's five point one six
2: wickets per test. That puts him in the top ten, above yeah. Adley and Lily. All, yeah, away, from, all you, away from home.
3: You could argue. You could all argue. Away from home. You could argue that um, when he finally got his introduction into Test cricket, someone like Mike Hussey, as a batsman, it's not a bowler, but as a batsman, had a fantastic average early on in his Test career, but it gradually crept down. Now we don't know how long lasting Bumra's Uh, Period at the top is going to be, you know, you don't know. Every player has a period where um, they lose form. Pretty much every player. I mean, there may be one or two exceptions, and we're trying to struggle to find Uh, it with Steve Smith at the moment. But I think there are times. There are always times when when players have a, a, a bit of a fallow period, and and we may see that. I don't know whether it's because he's played too much cricket. There's a sense of burnout.
1: Any of these things or can just, feed just into that. cricket sometimes works in that way. Well, absolutely. You know, you know, we've seen Anderson bowl really well and not get many wickets. We've seen, you know, Broad has bowled a couple of spells this year. Probably the best spell he's ever bowled and got no wickets. And then, you know, I think his spell in the way Indies and in Antigua was better than his 8.15, Well, I saw. I,
3: I still... I don't know why it sticks in my mind, but I remember Broad getting a six-fur in the Ashes in 2009 at Headingley. Wasn't that good to spell. And it was awful. It was the worst six-fur I've seen. We talk, I, Funnily enough, talking today about seeing uh, Steve Waugh get 100 in Barbados in 2003, it was also the, the worst 100 I'd ever seen from a batsman. But that all that uh, six-fur that, uh, that Broad got... Uh, at Headingley was, was a terrible six for him. it. really was. And, you know, we often say he'll bowl better than that but he won't get the wickets. And, and that's, that is basically cricket. Just think, looking at this India team as
2: a whole now, this guy completes the team. This is the fast bowler they've been waiting for for a generation. I mean, Ishan Sharma is still banging away brilliantly. Uh, Mohamed Shami's way. taking wickets at a fair Absolutely. old rate too. Uh, they've got Yadav can't even get a bloody game. Uh, uh, this team is, I think, going to win the world test championship i can't see anyone stopping them they've gone down to australia albeit that's before the, the wtc started and destroyed australia and they've gone to the west west indies okay it was a bit of a mismatch the whole series if you look at the limited overs games as
3: well and they flattened west indies but who's going to stop india now well i mean it's a very good point because you know people are saying well you know actually west indies are pretty strong at home these days well they, they've actually been blown away what happened india. to the west indies
1: then how do we pick the bones out of that series <laughs> the today? batting just couldn't hold up I um, think they bowled quite well in patches. Akimar Roach had another superb series, I think. And, you know, there were promising signs from some of the other bowlers as well. But the, the, bowl, the batting just didn't hold up against uh, some superb bowling from Boomer and Ishant in particular. And, you know, India were in trouble a couple of times with the bat. Jadeja got them out of a hole a little bit in the first innings uh, in, in Antigua. Uh, two good innings from Ajinko to Hane uh, when his back was against the wall. And vihari uh, scoring runs hit well, excellent,
2: 100. He's a real find. And Coley said he was the find of the series. He, coming in at six, that's proper nasty, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I,
1: well, I was there on his, uh, his test debut at the Oval. Uh, I was and, there as well. And he looked very, very assured. You know, he was coming into that series, and not a find in a sense, because he came into that series with the best first-class average in the world, so it's not that much of a find. But I think, you know, we've talked a lot about how first-class cricket in England affects players coming into the test arena you have to score a lot of runs in the Ranji Trophy over three or four years to even get a sniff in the Indian team well, at the moment. Vihari's
2: already averaging 45. Okay, it's a bit early. You know, still, still a young test career. Him coming in at six, I think he's almost reinvented the number six a little bit. The, the number The number six, well, number six around the world is normally a biffo comes down middle order or a young player who's just into the team, maybe he's going to be bumped up. Vihari looks like he knuckles down and plays really well. Left the ball beautifully
3: outside of stump. He's a
1: very good cricket. Well, it's He's almost like you.
3: It's almost like you've got a, a subsidiary opener coming in at six, basically. Um, and what struck me about Vihari, was just watching a little bit of him the other day, um, was a couple of his on drives that were absolutely glorious. And there was one which most players would have. It was it was on the leg stump. Most players would have closed the face of the bat and they'd have played it a lot squarer than he did. But he actually played it. Straight with the full face of the bat, and it went wide of mid-on to his right-hand side. Tough shot to play, and that is a very tough shot to play. And he played it beautifully. And I think that that to me just set up, you know, signals off in my brain saying this bloke's got something a bit different. He's got an
2: extremely organised technique. And there's another thing that's pretty frightening about him for bowling attacks. He bats for hours and hours and hours, and doesn't lose any intensity. He still Mm. flashes that fiery look in his eyes after two, three, four hours. Like there's no loss of of the flame. Burning, it's still as bright as ever. How you, uh, and that's demoralizing for a team, almost like Steve Smith. The technique's obviously totally different. Yeah, the only other number six he reminded me of in terms of his
1: correctness and technique is um Shafiq.
2: In I was just about
1: to mention, Asad Shafiq has more hundreds at number six than anyone else and you know was a number three batting at six for mm. years. Actually, probably hasn't rep- reproduced his form up the order. Um, is there a case? of
2: dropping Pujara and putting Bihari up no. just to sneak someone else in maybe Ashwin and get two spinners Ashwin I and don't Gidecia. think it'll happen
1: it's a big shot I would never drop Puj- Pujara I think he's fantastic but he, d- he didn't have the best series it's, it's, two, it's two test matches Cheteshwar Pujara was magnificent in Australia yeah. um, look people. good players have bad runs of form as you were saying earlier um, Hendo but look we're, we're lucky to be going through this age of wonderful bowlers, fast bowlers and spinners, and, you know, Boomerat, Anderson, Cummins, Rabada, all with slightly idiosyncratic run-ups, uh, all with their very different ways of being utterly brilliant. Uh, the final point... Uh, Afghanistan's third men's test match, and the first centurion, Rahmat Shah, fell too short in Derudun, but got to his hundred today, got out shortly afterwards, and there was a bit of a, uh, a period when he and Mohammed Nabi got out in the same over to Naim Hassan, the Bangladeshi offspinner, playing just his second test match, where Af- uh, Bangladesh looked as though they might rattle through Afghanistan, but uh, good Afghan and Osir Zazai, the wicketkeeper, uh, did well to make sure that Afghanistan uh, got to the close in quite a decent uh, position, but yeah, Rahmat Shah, a very organized, very classy player with a lot of time. And I was very impressed with him at the World Cup, actually. Yes. I
2: called it a couple of times. He looked pretty organized with the bat and he bowled some really good leggies. Got some proper turn out of the rough, and up in Bangladesh, he could be a threat. Sure, to the ball.
1: sure. In, in Chathogram, uh, which you may not be familiar as a test venue with, but has played it, has a lot of test cricket played there. It's the new name of Chittagong. It's the new name, okay, but it's the same stadium. It's the same stadium, okay. yes. Uh, Bangladesh is sort of second city. Uh, Bangladesh bowling seven spinners out of the eight bowlers who bowled today, only a Sarkar. Bowling a few overs of a seam in Afghanistan only playing the one recognized seamer, Yamin Ahmedzai, quite a whippy uh, seam uh, bowler. They've given debuts to uh, Zahir Khan. They've given debut to Keis Ahmed as well, who's a leg spinner. Zaheer Khan is a left arm wrist spinner. Uh, Rashid Khan and Mohammed Nabi, uh, of course, also uh, in operation. Rashid Khan, the youngest test captain, uh, beating a record uh, set by Tatendu Taibu. Well, it's quite interesting, isn't it? Because um,
3: the men who got scores in that Afghanistan first innings, well, up to date anyway, um, they're still not out overnight, uh, were Ramat Shah and Asgar Afghan. And um, both of them... Have had captaincy ripped out of their hands in the last few well, months. Rahmat
1: Shah was sacked as test captain without well, having played a test, test match. Yes, <laughs> with, uh, <laughs> and so
3: you, could, you, you kind of imagine he might be feeling a bit sore. So, I mean, it's, it's to his credit that he's gone out there and got 100, isn't it? I mean, he, he, could, he could have sulked.
2: I think they've uh, got the right man with the armband now. And what did Kohli say the other day? Captaincy is just a C after your name. What a load of nonsense. Is that what <laughs> he said? He, he'd been reading that Detoxify Your Ego book. Oh, he? really? I think that's well, he needs it. Very <laughs> <is, to> <laughs> stage managed from Kohli coming
1: out and saying, oh, it's just a C after. <laughs> But Virat Kohli does strike me as the type who would recommend you self-help books. Um, there's, there's a lot of that going on, and the idea that you can sort of systematise your entire life. But I
2: called for the captaincy of uh, <coughs> Rashid Khan at the World Cup. He's got to be the guy that takes
3: up the torch. Well, he's captain in all formats now. I still think it's a lot. I think it's a lot. I mean, I, I do for someone so young. Um, you know, he's inspirational. He's played, you know, in front of big crowds, and suppose I suppose that he can, he can pass that experience on albeit at such a young age but, but it does it does seem a lot to put on his
1: shoulders
2: well they're going well 271 for 5 winning the toss and batting they would have taken that wouldn't they if you'd a- off them
1: that absolutely you know in turning conditions you know which also you know um, more credit to, to Rahmat Shah and Osgood who got some runs there were starts from some of the top order uh, but uh, uh, nothing really that substantial I've only got well, two criticisms. One just popped into my head. Mm. Why isn't Mujib playing? I know he's got a
2: job to do for Middlesex, who, as we speak, are getting trounced in this T20 sen- uh, final by Nottinghamshire. Why isn't Mujib out there playing this test? Out in Bangladesh with turning pitches, he is a class bowler. Yeah, he should be in that yeah, team. it's interesting. He's never played a test match. He should be in it. I don't know why that. And the second criticism, why is this match not in the World Test Championship? Why doesn't it count?
1: Yeah, Afghanistan and uh, Ireland and the hopefully not defunct Zimbabwe were uh, excluded from uh, the world test championship before it even started um cricket never quite makes as many steps towards proper inclusion and proper meritocracy as we'd like
3: yeah I mean I do think uh, that Ireland had actually said that they didn't really want to be in uh, as I understood it uh, when it was was brought up last year and we were talking about was that about just Warren
1: Dutram being diplomatic <laughs>
3: <laughs> who can say who can say um it's, it's a difficult one, you know, you, you've got to find your feet. Test cricket is a completely different game and I think we saw, you know, Afghanistan, the way they struggled in their first game against India, um, you know, was, was instructive in a way because they, they, they didn't have the discipline and the thought processes that went into making a game that lasts four or five days and, and it was over in no time, you know, even allowing for the fact that they're playing a hugely talented team in India. Um, and I think you know that's something that only comes with time when you've been playing nothing but T20 and to a certain extent one day international cricket um, if you've never had the discipline of playing you know even a lot of four day cricket uh,
1: it's going to be there's going to be an adjustment period I really think there is sure of course there is I think they're in a better position than Bangladesh were when they first started playing test cricket Bangladesh didn't have a Domestic first-class structure at the time. Afghanistan had played a lot of intercontinental cup cricket, so multi-day cricket That's against true. against the, the then top associate uh, nations, kind of the level below Test cricket. And now there is a first-class structure in Afghanistan with mm. the six regions playing in Afghanistan. They play a hell of a lot more first-class cricket than, for example, Ireland do. Yeah, I mean,
3: the, I mean, the difficulty with 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 a, te- with a team like Ireland is 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 you know they're not picking from a, a particularly wide base, are they? Uh, this is this is the thing. Uh, they've only really got. In their four day tournament, three teams. Yes. Uh, And that, you know, you kind of learn a lot. If you're playing each other too much, if if you want to increase the number of games, then you're going to become familiar with bowlers. It's not going to be that much of a test for them.
1: Sure. And uh, we've seen it uh, recently with Paul Sterling uh, committing his future to Ireland, which means he's having to leave Middlesex. Tony and I were talking about it. It's unlikely to see Paul Sterling getting an overseas player. Uh, gig mm. in the county championship mm. it's not impossible mm. uh, but it, it's unlikely given the number of players that he's suddenly now uh, competing against so where does he get his four day and five day cricket well quite
3: you know this is the problem I don't know when is it Ireland's next test is what against Sri Lanka isn't it I think um, early next year so where is he going to play those, those longer innings Tim Murtagh's got similar
2: choice to make at the end of this season I think he'll probably stay with Middlesex actually just to do with his age and stage of career and he's already had his day out in Scotland. Exactly. The yes, absolutely. I think he'll, he'll probably stay.
1: As I said the other day on air, it's the difference between being 20 28 as Paul Stirling is and 37 as Paul yes. as Tim Murta. Yes. Um, is it, there's possibly an argument to make that Tim Murta could become the test case for what is a very dodgy legal position that the ECB have got themselves into. Uh, denying Irish citizens and actually in Tim Murtagh and Paul Sterling's case British citizens from playing as, <laughs> as, as homegrown players. Well I
3: think you're also going to have a, I mean you mentioned Delray Rawlins earlier uh, as well and I think you know potentially down the line if he, he progresses there's going to be a, a similar argument about him isn't there? Because well, could been, he get archered? Well right? exactly that, that's another point I mean he's played for England under 19s he's, he's now playing for Bermuda in the T20 qualifiers so you know at what point he's 21 at what point do they say, well, hang on, now you're an overseas player? Well, of um, course, the eligibility Unless England laws. come along and say, well, actually, you know, do an archer.
1: So maybe Dorey Rawlins, if Bermuda do qualify for him, what is a very tough tournament that they're going to be playing yeah, against. Yeah, you know. I, I, I think that's right. Yeah. Um, you know, he plays that World Cup, then goes a little bit like sort of Ed Joyce, or, Boy, or I guess, or Owen Morgan, having one very good standout tournament on the global stage and then trying to qualify for England. And then we see... Delroy Rawlins playing in the, in the T20 World Cup in 2022 for England. Yeah. Because he's got a really good record in the blast for Sussex.
3: Yeah, and I think he's had, he's, he's had a good record for Sussex this year. I think he's, he's, you know, he's, I think he's got his first 100 under his belt. And he looks, you know, I haven't seen him and I want to see him uh, desperately. His straight
1: drive is a thing of beauty. Did he ever play cup match, Hendo? Uh,
3: I honestly couldn't tell you, but I wouldn't be surprised.
2: That's uh, just to, to, to bring it back round to cricket being played in all corners of the world. Have
3: you ever mentioned cup match on air? Out in Bermuda.
2: Did you ever go to a game when you were there?
3: I I, I certainly did go to a cup match, and it's it's a fantastic thing. If you are in Bermuda in the early part of August, uh, then go and see it. It's it's, it's a massive event. It's a two-day, two-innings match uh, between the uh, ends of two teams at the ends of the island, and um, you know it's a a massive event. I mean, people literally camp out. I mean, it's a very small island, but they camp out um, for for, for the duration. It's fantastic, Um, and so yeah. I mean, going back to Bermuda, you know, absolutely delighted to see them. You know, progressing again, hopefully.
1: Uh, and on that uh hopeful note and that uh, glorious image of people camping out in Bermuda to watch two-day cricket uh, that brings us to the end of this week's guerrilla cricket podcast uh, thank you to Nigel Henderson thank you to real Fred Janoe, thank you to producer John uh, I should say this is not the only podcast we're doing this week this one is going out uh, tonight Fri- uh, Thursday as you listen and Friday uh, for uh, for the uh, for regular uh, non patron people because we uh, brought uh, all of our podcasts early uh, for patrons and you can uh, sign up at patreon.com forward slash Guerrilla cricket to get early access to all of our podcasts, and that will also give you early access to episode three of Guerrilla Show, which comes out on Friday night for you patrons, and then Saturday morning for everybody else. Uh, where uh, Tony Bishop is in the hot seat uh, with Jason G. hiscox discussing Surrey, and uh, Nick Martin uh, down the phone discussing Yorkshire. Two very oh, strong uh, all-time uh, Ashes county elevens, uh, and some controversial players uh, left out. Of uh, or oh, some controversial leaving out, leavings out of players, uh, which is a better way to phrase it, uh, in. Uh in that podcast. So, plenty happening here on guerrilla Cricket. We're of course covering the rest of this 2019 men's Ashes series and beyond. Uh so uh, but uh, uh, just remains to me to say uh please leave uh, us a five-star rating on your preferred podcast app of choice, whichever you listen on iTunes, Acast, Spotify or Podbean. Uh, uh yeah, rate, review, share the podcast with your friends and come back again when we uh resume uh, and uh, reconvene for the next episode of the Gorilla Cricket podcast. But until then, it's goodbye.